Aloha. Hi, hi, hi. I like how you start every episode with basically the same tone of voice. It's really nice. Well, thank you. It's it's like my brand. <laughs> Aloha is your brand? Yeah. The other one I do, nice. if anybody calls me on the phone, it just goes, hello. Hello. I like that one. It reminds me of Molly Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Hello. <laughs> how, what's your classic greeting, Rachel? Um, I don't know. What have you have you noticed me saying hello the same way on our schmod? No. Usually it's because you've yeah. counted us down and pointed at me because everybody knows you're oh, you know what? cruise director. I'm the main cruise director, but I, you know what I think mine is is like hi. Yeah, that's classic, Rachel. I think that's mine. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who couldn't tell already, hi, I'm Rachel and I'm Rebecca. What are we doing here, Rebecca? We are having our 25th podcast episode called Roma We Win. And that's right, kids. That's, oh, the, what's what? What's the podcast called? We didn't say that yet. Oh, Schmodcast, duh. <laughs> <laughs> and what's Schmodcast, you might add? Oh, that's the podcast that's just two PLPs during the cutest little Ramadan this month. Yes, we are. So episode 25. Yeah. Rama Dwiwin. Yeah. We're a quarter of the way to 100. That's just how math works. Holy moly. That is really pretty impressive mm -hmm. considering we still don't have any podcasting expertise and we still just keep trudging along and making these little clips of ourselves having fun. What's the num What's that thing you're supposed to do? 10,000 hours at an activity and then you can say you're... You become an expert. An expert. So... Uh, yeah, when we get to episode 10,000, that's when we'll know we're, we're expert level. I don't know. Don't we have to be like continuously improving for that? No. To work? No, because if we get to 10,000, oh. it's the same. We'll know we've just always been excellent. We just did it. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. Okay, cool. Well, walk me through it. You're cruise directing us this time. Yeah. So uh, because it has been a couple of weeks, I thought we could do a joint one since we've started what we in this household called Rama Dwiwin, which is just like a fun little thing we wanted to share with everybody. But before we mm -hmm. get into that, we have a couple of connects and corrects. And the first one I think is yours, Rachel. You're supposed to do some research for me about whether or not Bob Saget is or was a misogynist. Yeah, I really like that you put this in. And for people who can't see you, um, Rebecca has the smudgest look on her face. Smudge means smug in our family. <laughs> from an episode of The Office, but she has the smudgest little look on her face because she knows that I'm about to correct myself. Mm. Um, so Bob Saget, I previously stated in an episode when Rebecca said she was in love with him and wanted to marry him and wow. have all of his babies. that's false. Patently false. That's what you said. Uh, I can't check the tapes. Um, I said that he was a misogynist and I, I Googled it. And it turns out he's not exactly a misogynist. You were totally right that Bob Saget is accused of, well, he definitely made like super, super dirty and inappropriate jokes, including in front of children and like families yeah. sometimes. But there is no evidence to suggest that he's ever been accused of being like anti-feminist. The closest thing I could find to him being a misogynist is that he did appear on the Howard Stern show 10 times, which I, I just mm -hmm. find deeply misogynistic program. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, I, did a little, I did a little research and here's what I found. He did make jokes about getting BJs from the Olsen twins. Yeah. That's that's pretty bad. 
Yeah. He also, they used to sometimes have these like um, dolls as stand-ins for the Olsen twins on Full House when the girls were like little and were like both napping like at the nap same time, time or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. And he used to do really inappropriate things to those dolls, mm-hmm. like in front of other people. Yeah. Um, that's super uncool. And then he played himself on Entourage, apparently. He played like Bob Saget on Entourage. And the version of himself that he played was like really raunchy and probably misogynistic. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't him. He was playing a version of himself. So he has some quotes later. He was like reflecting all this. And he says, quote, there's a misogynist thing I've pulled back on, which was very popular during the times I was on Entourage. Mm-hmm. People wanted to hear me act like I'm some badass when I'm just some skinny guy that looks like your dentist on stage. <laughs> the new world that out, that's out there is exciting for me to be able to mature in front of people's eyes into something that has more than two dimensions. He also acknowledged that like a lot of those jokes from like the early to mid 2000s just wouldn't fly anymore. And he said he feels like he has to be more conscious Mm -hmm. and to stop doing jokes just for shock value. So I think that's I'm understanding now Bob Saget was basically like insecure and his shtick was he looked like everybody's next door neighbor dad and he thought it was funny to shock them by saying terrible things. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Which is not funny. It's immature and stupid. Well, yeah, it's it's also exactly why you don't like Howard Stern. I am in that camp as well. He's also just like a skinny, goofy looking white person that says horrifically shocking things that you don't expect. Yeah. Well, and I guess also just, I mean, I'm kind of like how it's not enough to just not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. Mm-hmm. It's not really enough to me to just not be sexist i want to see especially like white straight men being Mm anti-sexist being feminist Mm -hmm. like actually making a point of lifting women up instead of being like well i'm cutting them down just the same way i cut everyone down so anyway that's bob saget for if anybody who's been listening is as upset about bob saget (laughs) as our elders were about (laughs) bob dylan i hope that this was our mea culpa to you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I yeah it's the best we can do everybody I never said he was the same the best we can do <laughs> uh well my uh, my little connect is just some news about chickens you thought we were going to have less chicken mm. chat mm. because no we left our chickens uh well in their original home and we moved away well guess what folks Went out on the lanai and Rachel saw in one of our planter boxes where we're trying to grow lemongrass, a chicken has made it her nest and has been laying eggs mm-hmm. in it. I think yes. every day we've gotten an egg in that planter we nest. We get an egg delivery on our front porch every day from a phantom hen who we can't even identify so far. Yep. We don't know who the secret Santa is, but it could not be more <laughs> convenient. It's just five when steps we figure from the out- when we do figure out who she is, we need to name her. And I think maybe Santa is the right name. Secret right. Santa. Yeah. Or Easter Bunny in some some way. Oh, bun Bun. Bun Bun makes way more sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's cute. Oh, I can't wait to to meet Bun Bun. Did <laughs> did you have any others? Those were the two that I had. You know, probably, and I don't know what they are. I don't have any more connects and corrects actually written down, which means they don't exist. So just like if the event's not in the calendar, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. If I haven't written it down, it doesn't exist in our connects and corrects. So, Perfect. Oops. 
Well, then let's move on. We've got our joint hot top this time because we wanted mm-hmm. to talk about what Roma Dwiwin is. Um, but first, let's start with what actually inspired it. Um, I thought we could share a little bit about what is Ramadan for anybody who may not know or just be briefly reminded about it before we twist it and talk about our special version. Our version. Yeah. 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 And uh, we can preface this by also saying like part of um, what brings us to this topic is that we have many um, friends and loved ones who celebrate Ramadan, who are Muslim and who mm-hmm. for whom Ramadan is a really important time of year. So the reason we're curious about this is that we're um, we're interested in learning more about why it's meaningful to various people, um, how the practice, their practices during Ramadan support them in their growth as human beings and as a community, and how we as non-Muslims can um, adapt some of those practices for our own lives in a way that feels supportive and not sacrilegious. Yeah, that's very clarify important. That. Yeah, this yeah. is, we are not it's making a respect. any fun. It's out of respect. Yeah, it's out of respect for Ramadan that we, that we talk about this. Do you want to go first or do you want, I've, I've like written down some notes about what Ramadan is. I would love it if you would share um, the official like Webster's definition of Ramadan. Cool. Yeah. Well, I don't have, I don't have the Webster's definition, but I do have the Wikipedia definition. Just as Ayo. good folks. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so Ramadan is the ninth month of the Islamic calendar, and the Islamic calendar, like many religions, is based on moon cycles. Um, so it's the ninth month of the Islamic calendar. It's observed by Muslims worldwide as a month of fasting, prayer, reflection, and community. It's a commemoration of the Prophet Muhammad's first revelation, and the annual observance of Ramadan is regarded as one of the five pillars of Islam. So Islam has five main pillars that every Muslim is called to to carry out, and one of those is to practice Ramadan every year. It lasts 29 to 30 days uh, from one crescent moon to the next. Um, so the actual dates that it starts and finishes slightly vary every year. They come forward about 10 years, and depending on which religious scholars or which country you are in, um, that exact dates can vary depending on who's in whose observance of the crescent moon and whose determination that the moon is exactly where it's supposed to be um, can alter. So like, for instance, in it, when I used to live in Morocco, sometimes it would start in Morocco a day before it started in Algeria, even though they're right next to each other. It just depended on which country was was observing the moon by which scholars. Mm-hmm. Um, it could also vary, like you didn't always know in advance. Sometimes the the day you thought Ramadan would be starting, your your authorities would say like, nope, it's not till tomorrow now. <laughs> so, um, Ooh, um, yeah. I would really not thrive in that environment. <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it is really interesting um, to try to apply that practice to um, the lifestyles we grew up with in the U.S., where uh, it we're so type A about our schedules and about knowing things in advance and planning. It was interesting for me um, when I was living in Morocco to have to become a little more fluid with that. Mm-hmm. It was not easy. I, I'm not sure that I've made it a lifelong <laughs> habit, but um, I was able to adjust for a while. Um, so a few more things then, if you're okay with me just continuing yeah. to go yeah, yeah, yeah. with this. Okay. 
So um, during Ramadan, the most obvious practice is that people fast from dawn to sunset. That's obligatory for any adult Muslim who's not um, acutely or chronically ill. But there's a bunch of other exceptions too. If you're traveling, if you're elderly, if you're breastfeeding, if you're diabetic, if you're menstruating, these are all exceptions to the fasting rule. Um, and if you are fasting, most people wake up early before dawn and have a meal and then they eat again after, um, after the sun goes down. That meal is called iftar. Uh, not everybody gets up to do it, but that's kind of the way that you sustain yourself throughout the day. So anybody who thinks that people are just fully fasting for 30 days, no, you're still eating every day. You're just not eating when the sun is up. Um, when the sun is up, you are also not drinking water um, and you are also not, you're abstaining from basically all of that kind of consumption. And um, it's supposed to be that the spiritual rewards of fasting are believed to be multiplied during the month of Ramadan. It's like a special holy month. I saw someone on Instagram claim that that the Quran says that the devil is like absent for the days of Ramadan, which is why all your deeds are like multiplied. I'm not I haven't ever heard that from anyone else. So but that was one one way, <laughs> one explanation I heard for like why fasting is especially multiplied. Mm-hmm. And so during your hours of fasting, no food and drink, no tobacco products, which makes some s- smokers in the region very cranky. Um, <laughs> you ad- abstain from sexual activity and anything that can be considered a sinful behavior or thoughts even. People really try to clear their minds of anything that might be distracting or sinful. Instead, you're supposed to spend that time devoted to prayer and studying the Quran um, Wikipedia didn't say this, but the, the, the Ramadan culture that I've observed and that was explained to me when I lived in the Middle East and North Africa, um, includes, uh, a focus on community and, um, service, volunteerism, a focus on, on paying attention to the people around you who have less, mm-hmm. um, by not eating and not drinking water throughout the day, you remind yourself what it would be like to not have access to those things and how many people in our world are starving or lack uh, proper nutrition or clean water. So it's a time to just really recenter yourself, position yourself in our common humanity, mm-hmm. um, help other people, give alms, spend your time connecting to God, to yourself, to your community. And um, that practice is supposed to help you throughout the rest of the year to be a better person. Yeah. So that's it. That's what I think Ramadan is and and maybe not a nutshell in like a really coconut shell, a big nut. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um not not ever living in Morocco. I think I I think I showed up to visit you once and it was like the last day of Ramadan. We were just about to go do the big Eid celebration. So I came right in the fun part. Um mm, I just yeah. I had always thought it was just yeah, they, they just fasted for a month and I assumed it was related to Lint and like Ah having yeah, no idea about any of the religions growing up. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> But I, well, that's I, especially interesting because this calendar year, it actually um, overlaps with Lent yeah. and it hasn't. And in, in all the years that I've been aware of Ramadan, it's been, it started in like September and has moved its way forward in the calendar yeah. 
year. Yeah. yeah, it just inched its way, and now there's an overlap, which is really interesting. Yeah. And yeah. I, I like it because, you know, and I believe there's also um, – there's also a Jewish holiday in here around this time as well. There's an overlap there with the with their calendar as well. Like yeah, it. Passover. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, because of Easter. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I like that for since those are like the top three religions. I like the idea that like the whole world at some point is going to be all like focused on their individual spirits or deities. And yeah, it's interesting. If you like to think that maybe they might all be the same, it's like especially wonderful to see that they're all overlapping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I, I just want to add there too, like part of that is because those, they're not necessarily the top three religions in the world so much as that they're, they are the three Judeo-Christian religions. They're the three monotheistic religions with like a common source. So it kind of also makes sense that they would have like similar practices as compared to Hinduism or Baha'i or Buddhism, which don't have as many overlapping practices as Judaism, Christianity, and Islam do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So now that brings us to what the heck is Ramadwiwin and why do we add a we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's your understanding of Ra- why we call our, our like rebetchal version of Ramadan? Why do we say Ramadwiwin? Oh, this is fun. Okay. So what I think mm-hmm. happened, and this is also a memory <laughs> test because Rachel's like my brain monitor, just making sure that I remember. Yeah. Things and that's. Clearly. I'm for because no one can see me. I want them to know I look very smudged now because this is fun for me to see if you remember. (laughs) Well, I remember that um, kind of like other languages, there's like a a little like thing you can add to make something be cute or small. So like, Mm -hmm. like Spanish, if I'm saying burro, I mean donkey. But if I mean like little donkey, I would say burrito. Guess what, y'all? It's mm-hmm. not just a Chipotle item you eat. Um, <laughs> it's so, a small donkey. And I don't know which Arabic language, because I know there's different dialects, but one of them you pop a wee in, and that's how you make it really yeah. cute. And Rachel does that a lot with, like, when she would um, talk about, like, cute little puppies or kittens, like, sometimes, like, pet names would have a little wee added to them. And yeah. we were talking about Ramadan and some of the reasons why it would be really great to observe it and and also some of the challenges with observing it strictly the way that a devout Muslim would. And um, that kind of just inspired the discussion of us making like a smaller version or a cute version of Ramadan, again, with yeah. most respect. Yeah. Um, and my clothes, is it, it's, but yeah, I don't remember where really, the we yeah, came so from. It, it does. It comes from Moroccan Arabic, from Derija, since that's the, the only version I really speak. So, so you'll remember in um, Moroccan Arabic to say something is beautiful, you say it's zween. And to make it like cute and beautiful, you would say zween. Zween. So like, like some, like a landscape is zween, but like a baby might be zween. And um, kind of like in English, like we would add like IE onto things to make it cuter, like cutie. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Like that. it's it's that way of um, adding a diminu- diminutive to a word. Yeah. yeah so we, Ram- Ramadwiwin is kind of like our, our cute, sweet little baby Ramadan. <laughs> <laughs> I, if no one else finds this entertaining, just know that the reason we do this is because we love it. 
Yeah. I'm over here just it's, tickled to death. Like, we're so clever. Much like the reason we do the Schmodcast. This is to entertain ourselves. And if you happen to be listening, we would love your feedback. But not about our smudgeness. That's oh, unimpeachable. No. We are such a delight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We know that. We know that. Yeah, we know that. Um, well, so with that in mind, I wanted to share like how we've decided to reinterpret Ramadan to turn it into Ramadwiwin. And this is our second year doing this. And, um, every year, well, so far, right, we've checked in on how we, how we thought it went and just sort of adjusted it for our environment and what our individual goals might be. And so Mm -hmm. in this case, keeping it with, um, some of the larger pillars of Ramadan, our Ramadwi win focuses across a few different pillars or well, four different pillars. One is connection with the divine, involvement in community, a celebration of life, and then awareness of suffering through ritual, discipline, and change. Um, mm-hmm. And part of that is because uh, just fasting all day, especially the no intake of water is just I think it would just make us cranks and it would be, it's just not a, it's not like a healthy supportive practice for me where Mm -hmm. I'm in my life. Like that wouldn't actually make, I don't think that wouldn't help make me a better person right now. Uh, But we wanted to still honor the practice. So we came up with ways to abstain from things. And all of this Mm -hmm. is in the purpose of seeking like our own, like connection to the divine, our own, Practices that give us joy and happiness and make us feel healthy and thinking about how abstaining can be in service to those more positive end goals as opposed mm-hmm. to um, coping with negative things in that moment that then make you feel like crap afterwards. So that's where a lot of our Ramadwiwin comes from. And um, our main ones are abstaining from negative effects of alcohol, tobacco, sugar, consumerism. So we just, it's not to say we won't participate in any number of those things, but it's about being mindful and like limited in those so that you don't overindulge. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also- Well, and just being aware of their role in your life, right? So, So as opposed to, I think like when I fasted while I was living in Morocco, it worked for like not eating and not drinking water all day with it connected me to my community. Mm-hmm. Um, that wouldn't do that for me here right. um, because we're not in a community that's doing that. So instead, what are some things that will help me like remain connected and not just um, – and like so thinking about how the things that we consume make us feel connected to ourselves, connected to the divine or God or something sacred or the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, we've determined that that means like being really mindful of alcohol consumption, being really mm-hmm. mindful about how we spend our money, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and some of the things for me has been, um, we get into it later about like taking walks and movement and things is to get away from computers and screens and doing like the, like the consuming of just mindless content that distracts us. Mm-hmm. I sometimes feel like that makes me feel better in the moment, but actually then I have more anxiety because I didn't do the thing I was supposed to do. I just distracted mm-hmm. myself with like a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So then we also talk about movement. So this is just um, being connected to your body, making sure you move it and feel good with walks and stretching and various kinds of exercise. But the main pra- the main point is to do it daily. Yeah. So that you don't walk. Like, yes. There's this, there's this like funny, I guess it was like a TikToker thing <laughs> where um, there's this like, 
ridiculous music and people say like, this is me going for my stupid walk to help my stupid mental health. And it shows people <laughs> going on like a really kind of intense march out the door and like forcing themselves very determinedly to go on a walk. <laughs> and I feel like that's like a little bit of the practice for me. There are days where it's easy to go out for a walk and there are days where I have to force myself to do it and I might not even walk very far. But every single time it helps me it like is a supportive practice for my day, even if I didn't want to do it to start yep. with. So that's that's one of the things we're implementing is like we know that going for a walk is good for us and we're going to do it every day, even if I have to do it in a bad mood. Yeah, even if it's stupid, I'm going to do it. Stupid walk <laughs> for my stupid Ramadwiwen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. And, uh, oh, so then we have... Um, nourishing the body with supportive and nutritious foods and mm -hmm. one of the extra special ones for this month is we've been um, adding a daily fish because we live in Hawaii where there's lots and lots of seafood and we don't know the difference between like ahi and mahi mahi yeah. and cod and ono and I I just they all taste good but I don't know the difference so one of the yes. things we're nourishing ourselves with local fish, but also using it as a chance to try to get to know the different kinds of seafoods. Dear listeners, have you ever been asked what kind of fish you want at a fish place and you just don't know which one because you don't know the difference? If you have, then like me and Rebecca, you might <laughs> want to implement your own little Ramadwiwin fish plan where if you just... <laughs> We're forcing ourselves to eat fish at least once every day for a month until we like know which fishes we like and what the difference yeah. is and how to cook them. And just like those stupid walks, when she says forcing ourselves to eat fish, they're, it's delicious. We've been it's enjoying delicious. some really good meals. <laughs> it's just out of our comfort zone to like even figure out which ones to buy and then how to prepare them. And we know that fish is a, is like a really, um, for most people, it's a really healthy and nu nutritious part of your diet. And we just don't eat it enough because we're uncomfortable cooking it. Yeah, but we're going to get comfortable. And I'm really hoping this will allow us to get a fish knife because you know how I love a kitchen gadget. We have to get a fish knife. We have to. Yeah. And we have to buy more ahi from the roadside stands and debone them ourselves. Ahi, oh no. Mm. Um, we want oh, to try yes. some like interesting seafood, like abalone and, um, opias and all kinds of cool stuff. Oh, I, I see a future hot top coming our way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all about which, fish. Which fish did you like? Which fish made you barf? How many little bones <laughs> did you accidentally swallow and have to go to the emergency room? Like those will be the, the main topics. Yeah. Oh, that'll be nice. A little PSA about which fish bones to avoid. Yes. Ugh. All the bones. Well, so that's Nourish. I think we covered that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Kuleana, which um, in, in, is a Hawaiian word that means like responsibility or taking care of. And so Kuleana is about service and prayers for others. That it's our responsibility within our community to um, come up with ways or devote time to be in support of others. Yeah. Even if it's something like just once during this whole month, we go donate blood or something like taking time and energy out of your life mm -hmm. to like making a sacrifice for someone else, for the community, which we also know is 
selfishly, it's, it's good for our own mental health, but, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's good for everybody. And this is just our way, uh, across all of the different facets that would be considered like a balanced and happy life. This is Mm -hmm. just our way of, um, finding the gratitude in all of them. Cause in all of these things, there are things that we're working on. There's things that we wish we didn't have to deal with or battle. And there's also things to be really grateful for. So, Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then that ends, um, each day, Rachel and I, um, do our iftar, which means, you know, having dinner, breaking our fast for the day. If we were following Ramadan strictly where we explore inward and we just review how the day went. And we also use it as a chance to talk about our moon rituals. Like we do, uh, what's the moon doing? What are the planets doing? And how are we feeling? Little check-ins. Yeah. And this year we added into it because sometimes it's like a lot of mental energy to prepare, a topic to like discuss or handle every single night. So sometimes we're also just going to read poetry because mm-hmm. we don't do that very often. And that's a nice way to sort of um, explore our own feelings and um, our connection to God or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Whatever you yeah. want to call her. Yeah. So to review, Rama Gluwin has four pillars, which are connection with the divine, involvement in community, celebrating life and awareness of suffering. And it has five practices, which are abstaining from various negative consumerism, moving our bodies, nourishing our bodies, kuleana or service to others, and exploring inward. Yeah, Yeah. that's what we do. Yeah, that's how we have fun. How's that going for you so far, Rebecca, since we've only been doing it a few days now? Yeah, we're coming up on 20% of the total time now. So it's actually, it's feeling good. The The novel part is starting to wear off, but like in a in a good way. Like I feel like I'm settling into it. Um, yeah. One of the things that is, I guess, challenging, but in a good challenge for me is that when I'm working and I work very early mornings, I tend to get so hyper focused on work that I just don't eat. And so I'm, I'm like unintentionally fasting. And so one of the things for my Ramadwiwin when it comes to nourish is getting some sort of a breakfast first thing, which can be like four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning. And I haven't been perfect, but I've been, I've been doing that, which is actually helping a lot. And then I'm excited yeah. to see if I keep building on that habit, like how will I feel at the end of my day? Cause I can sometimes be really wiped out and then not want to do any like fun things for myself because of my work day. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because like the thing that would be most challenging for most other people. And I think that is challenging for a lot of people who practice Ramadan is not eating all day. And for you, that would be very easy. The actual thing you need is to be reminded to eat and yeah. make sure that you're, that you're eating early enough in the day to avoid like a, mental crash later in the day exactly um or just like if you go too long without eating and you have just like a regular size lunch it just knocks you out which um yes exactly and then and then you're like oops like i really did waste that whole day so yeah so i've been ending my days feeling like very sated like there my anxiety is like less than it has been um and i don't know if that's a placebo effect but i'll take it i've been really feeling yeah, just like calm this week. Um, so yeah. I, I'm going to credit that to Rama Dwiwin. Yeah. The only the only problem as as a 
you know, DIY scientists. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. The problem with our plan is that we won't be able to tell which of these practices, like if there is a substantial impact in how we feel or, or how we're doing during or shortly after Ramadwiwin, we won't know which of those practices really did the trick because we're implementing a bunch of stuff all at one time. We're, we're creating a completely, like a basically a completely new routine all at once instead yeah. of just like, let's see how it works, just adding in eating or just adding in walks or mm -hmm. just adding in moon iftars. We're doing yeah. them all. Yeah. Which I mean is, and, and then making it even a worse science um, experiment, we're going to then travel. Like as soon as this is over, we planned it perfectly that it ends. And then we do big, big travel, which is just like taking the schedule and resetting it again. That's true. So we'll extra well, not know. <laughs> and I guess, I guess maybe that's about a little bit reframing for myself. Like it's not the purpose of this isn't necessarily to like learn which of these things is best for me either. The purpose of it is to have a, a, a good month and feel recentered and feel, mm -hmm. um, inspired or something before we travel and go into these other adventures to kind of like get myself on solid footing before exactly. launching into something else. Yeah. 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 It's just like a, yeah, we're just doing like a, it's not even a reset. It's just, yeah, it's a stabilizing thing. I'm, I love the idea that we'll be really grounded yeah. before a big trip and a big, a big chaos to our schedule. Yeah. How are you doing? How's yeah. your Ramadwee going, Rachel? I mean, it's great. It was really good timing for me because I've been feeling really anxious and depressed the last few weeks. And you'd think part of me was like, oh, is it counterintuitive to like add these new parameters when I'm like not feeling great? Um, but I think I think we designed it in a way to really help me with the things that I would have wanted to be working on anyway and having it as a putting it in the framework of like this is our our special holy month. Um, yeah. help, helps me, yeah, like feel more sort of centered and connected in a way. Though on the food stuff, the one that I realize is we've toyed with, um, I was all, I always used to eat breakfast every morning. And mm -hmm. I also often had like these kind of crashes midday energy level wise. And we toyed with years ago with intermittent fasting. And that was, um, helpful to me. What I learned is that I don't want to fast, but that breakfast wasn't always a good idea for me because my brain was like ready to go the minute I woke up and eating food sometimes like slowed me down. So that's what I was doing. But more recently I've discovered that I also, am, I've been getting really anxious mid morning. And I think it was because we were drinking coffee on an empty stomach. <laughs> So I think one of the things that's kind of making an impact for me, or maybe it's making an impact already, or I'm just very hopeful that it will make a big impact, is that um, I am making sure I have some type of fat and protein in my stomach before I drink coffee. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes that's a string cheese. Some Sometimes that's a few bites of cottage cheese. doesn't really matter. Like we have protein bars or whatever. I have to make myself eat because I really don't want to at that time. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's helping me uh, sort of like regulate my nervous system a little bit more in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think the big thing is the the small amount because like mm. it used to be breakfast, you know, the most important meal of the day, blah blah blah. It's the cheese lobbyists, y'all. 
And, <laughs> and you're right. Like if I would have like a lunch size meal first thing in the morning, then all of my blood and energy is going into digesting the meal, making me lethargic and my brain no working mm-hmm. is good. And um, I find, yeah, from basically when I wake up in the morning, not quite as chipper as Rachel, just in case anybody didn't know that. I don't spring <laughs> awake quite as well as Rachel. But um, yeah, that first few hours of the day, I think, is when I'm like most sharp. Like that's like that's the time for me to do all my really good thinking. And mm-hmm. then and then you eat lunch and the whole thing goes to hell. So then that's when <laughs> it's better to just do like fun yard work or outdoorsy things. That's yeah. kind of mindless. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. We'll report back to you fine folks uh, if we have any major lessons learned from this um, in April. And even if we learn nothing, we'll just tell you how that went too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So the only other thing I had for us as an outro was it's been a while Mm -hmm. since we've gotten a new nickname alert. And I thought it would be fun to do an adjective to describe how you feel right now plus the last thing you ate. Mm. Well, I really enjoyed doing this schmod, but I I am also just cranky today in general. So mm-hmm. I guess I feel cranky and I most recently ate a parfait. So I'm a cranky parfait, <laughs> I guess. And since you made me my breakfast, I was anticipating <laughs> this question and that this we would have the same last answer. So I made sure that the last part of the parfait was just the granola. Oh, so yeah. that you get to be granola. Okay, so okay. technically, I am happy granola. Happy granola. You have to be happy granola because it's that granola for any of our, our listeners who made it through the episodes about Rebecca's granola adventures. It's that granola. It's that granola. That's that right. Four granola. months later, and we still have some. It is my treasure. You know what? And I'm so excited. <laughs> I I have to confess to you, you I do like really it? like that. Oh my god! No, no, no. I okay. like it. I don't. I don't find it as exceptional as you do. I think your history with the granola is part of what you're tasting when yeah. you when you eat it. And what I am tasting when I eat it is the story about how you dumped a whole bag of it on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's not the bag that we're eating. But I keep imagining that this is granola that was dumped on the floor that you and your mm. colleagues all like scooped up and put back in the bag. <laughs> You're right. It's, it's more, it's the, it is the survivors of that incident. They were witness that those bags were present yes, at the time. Of the but they're event. not the floor granola. It's I'm definitely I'm not the floor granola. The actual floor granola when oh. I eat it. It's still delicious, but like a little bit, there's a little part of me that's like grin and bear it, Rachel. Yeah. That's how good this granola is. That it's even really good. if you think it might have touched the floor, really you're still good. enjoying it. <laughs> oh shoot! Well, um, well done, cruise directing this um, happy granola. This was fun. It was my pleasure, and um, shukran for doing Ramadan with me. La shukran awajib, half one. Oh, thank you. Everybody knows yeah. exactly what she says, so no need to explain <laughs> that one. <laughs> no need to explain. Yeah. Well, um, so for all of us, all of your fans out there, um, let us know if you have hot top suggestions or want to submit your own response to something. Call us, text us, because you definitely know us and have our number, or email us at <laughs> schmodcastthepodcast at gmail.com, or find schmodcastthepodcast on Instagram. Ooh, la la. 
Yeah. How speaking of mm. how's the followership going on Insta? Are we viral yet? You know, I don't check it very often. So, no, we're not viral. We're definitely viral. not viral. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't know. I don't I don't really understand how any of it works to be honest. You know what? That's good because I want this to stay underground, just our little treasure. Cool. Yeah. Yes. Well this has been a Rebetchel production. Proud sponsors of Rebetchel B-Day Extravaganza. Doing.